Well, tonight you have made history. This is the first uh, time in the history of the jar that we've had two celebrations. So that's pretty cool. And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, the first one was kind of packed out, so we had no idea what the second one would look like. But we're all glad that you are here. And um, we're uh, looking forward to, to what God will say in the next few minutes. Um, you know, there's a phrase that's kind of come to my mind lately. And the phrase is this, how quickly the world can change. How quickly the world can change. And there are certain words that are in our vocabulary today that if we looked back a a year ago or several years ago, um, we're not even there. Words like ISIS, drone, digital darkness, Uber. Has anyone used Uber yet? Okay, a few of us. There we go. And uh, words like lone wolf or encrypted data. Or remember this one, deflate gate. That helped us a lot, didn't it, huh? Uh, if you're a Colts fan. Um, we barely even talked about those words or we recognized those words uh, a year or so ago. And when I shared those words, you kind of knew what they represented and how they focused. So, It really comes down to how quickly the world can change. A friend of mine uh, who doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, um, has been a person of good physical fitness and health. She went to the ER a couple of months ago. She walked in because she had a pain on her side. And after they did some scans, they found out that she had stage four cancer. And you can imagine just how quickly a world can change for that person. I think about last August. There was this team that had colors of blue and white. They had purchased all of these free agents for NFL football. And they had this uh, swagger that they walked with because they were going to kill every other NFL football team. This team knew for sure that this was the year. They were going all the way to the Super Bowl baby. And now we look at the Colts and we think, no way. How quickly a world can change. In fact, a few minutes ago, I talked about encrypted data, which is basically data that you can't recognize. And you thought I was talking about the Colts offense and defense, right? Because you just do not recognize that anymore. Now, we also can use this phrase, how quickly the world can change, to talk about good things that happen too. Like the 20-year-old guy who decides he's going to take his girlfriend out on a date to a very, very cheap restaurant. They sit across each other, and he fumbles around to where he finally acts like he's dropped something, and he gets underneath the table. He pulls into his uh, pants pocket, pulls out a ring, goes on the other side, and goes something very amazingly said, Hey, you want to marry me and live the rest of your life with me? And this woman goes, Wow! Like, how quickly things can change. And look how awesome and original his proposal was, you know, for me. I think about a married couple who has three kids, 
and they decide that if they just had one more, like it would meet their goal. It would uh, fulfill their dreams. And so they go ahead, they get pregnant, they go to look at the ultrasound, and this is what it looks like. You know what that is? Triplets. So now it's not four, it's many, many more. How quickly the world can change. Now, turning to the Christmas story that I read earlier in Luke chapter 2. One day, a teenage girl is hanging out with all of her girlfriends. And she's talking about the upcoming wedding that she's going to have with her stud carpenter boyfriend. And she's all excited. And then a few days after that, an angel of the Lord appears to her and says, do not be afraid. Do you know why the angel said that? Because if you saw an angel, what do you think you would do? You would be afraid. That's why every time you see an angel in Scripture, you'll always hear them say, do not be afraid. Why? Because if you saw an angel, folks, you would be afraid. And the angel comes and taps the teenage girl on the shoulder and says, you are going to have this miraculous book, a miraculous conception in bringing in the Savior of the world. Now, that's no pressure if you're a mom, right? I mean, there's no pressure whatsoever to have a healthy baby and hopefully that child grows up to be good. But now you're a mom who's bringing in like the savior of the entire world. Just a little bit of pressure. And then I'm sure Mary's thinking he's going to be a teenager one day. And they already think they know everything. He literally does know everything. And she gasped how quickly... The world can change. Her boyfriend, Joseph, suddenly realizes that he is bringing in the Messiah. That this Messiah is going to come into his home and he's going to have to teach this kid some carpentry skills. How quickly the world can change. Jesus then grows up and he's no longer a baby, but he becomes an adult. And at the age of 30, he lays down his carpentry tools And he begins a three-year ministry. And when he started teaching, he immediately started healing other people. And it felt like the world at that moment was changing every single day. One day, a blind man is given sight. The next day, a lame man walks. The next day, a leper is healed. The next day, a demon is actually cast out of someone. One day, 5,000 people are fed with one bucket of food. Violent storms come up, and this guy puts his hands up, and immediately everything becomes calm. And then he actually takes a guy by the name of Lazarus, who had died. He was gone, and he raises him back to life, and everyone sees it, how quickly the world is changing. Now, all of a sudden, it's not just a handful of people, but there are multitudes of people that are following this guy, this Jesus. No one had ever seen power like that. No one had ever seen wisdom like that. No one had ever seen a person show that kind of kindness and love. And it's all wrapped up in one particular person. 
And then the unthinkable happens. The unthinkable happens. He is arrested. And he's taken. And he's beaten to an inch of his life. And then he's placed on a cross to be executed in between two common thieves. And all of that, folks, takes place in 48 hours. How quickly the world can change. But three days later, the one who had been crucified on the cross bursts back into life. He's resurrected. Scripture tells us that in one particular day, there were 500 people who saw him. He completely blew people's minds just like he would yours. And he's changing the world once again. Because how quickly can the world change. Then 40 days, he reaches out to a handful of people to try to teach them what they would do from then on. That they would start these small little communities all over the world called churches. And this was his hope for the world. The hope that would change the world and give hope to all people. And he quickly could see the world changing. After a period of this training, one day, Jesus just starts gradually elevating up into the sky. It's in Acts chapter 1. You can read it yourself. And he's levitating. He's gaining altitude. He keeps going up further and further, ascending and ascending, until finally he's up in the clouds. And all the disciples look up and they're like, he's actually doing what he said he would do, that he would ascend and go back to his father. And he does. And after that, he leaves his spirit, the Holy Spirit, so that as we go through our days, we're not alone, but God's spirit is present. And how quickly the world can change. And after this, supernaturally, there are all of these communities that break out in the Middle East and then in Europe, and they go all over the place. God's spirit breaks out and lives start getting changed. First, it's a few hundred, and then a few thousand, and then hundreds of thousands, and then millions, and then hundreds of millions. And today, billions of people whose lives have been changed by this man. How quickly the world can change. Many of you know that I was raised a PK, a preacher's kid. And in our home, we talked about God regularly. There were two churches that I grew up in. Both of the churches were good churches filled with a lot of kind people and some not so kind people, honestly. But the thing that both of them had was the fact that they were very religious. And there were some rules that were not necessarily known. They weren't in writing, but everybody knew you should do them. And I was kind of taught that the way that you get real close to God is that you simply do all of this religious activity and that you do good things for other people. And so what that meant for me was we went to church on Sunday, we went to church on Sunday night, on Wednesday night, and choir too. Some of you just had to come for Christmas Eve. It's not too bad, believe me. But for me, it was like we were always at church. And I remember that we prayed before meals. I tried to understand the Bible. 
I sang in the choir. I went to youth group, went to church camp. I went and helped out with these different social justice issues that were going on. And I eventually even became a pastor like my dad. And I worked really, really hard not to sin. I worked really, really hard to do all of the religious activity that they said you should do if you're close to God. I knew God, and I did a lot of good things for God. I just didn't know God personally. I didn't know His transformation in my life. I even got to the point where I became so religious, they started calling me preacher-pleaser. Because I was such a good pleaser of all people. And one day a person came up to me and they said this. People never change. Don't spend your time with difficult people because they never change. And for some reason, that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And about that same time, I went to a men's retreat at the age of 24. And for the very first time in my entire life, it was not about jumping through religious hoops, which is what I thought a relationship with God was like, but it was about accepting the fact that He has given us a gift and we simply have to receive what that gift is. My whole life I thought it was about like going up a staircase to get to God for Him to like me. And that each step was a religious activity that you would do to go higher and higher to get to God. But it was in this moment in which God actually came down from heaven through His Spirit to me and said, Chris, that's not the way that it works. It's not about you trying to work your way up to me. It's about me coming downstairs to have life and to give you a gift. And it was an amazing gift. A gift that I didn't understand until that moment. And the gift was this word called grace. And grace simply means this. It'll come up on the side screen. There's nothing you can do for God to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And you think about that. My whole life I thought the way for God to love me more is if I just went up these steps more and more. But it wasn't about the fact that he would love me more if I I did that or that if I totally messed up and screwed up and did everything wrong, that he wouldn't love me any less. He loves every single person here tonight because he created you. You are a part of his creation. And he chose you to love you. I had never experienced grace until that day. I had always thought for the first couple of decades of my life to get on God's good side, you had to do a whole bunch of good stuff. But it was about a God who actually came downstairs in the person of Jesus Christ as an infant to give us life and to give us hope. It was about a Jesus who came and said, I choose you. Out of everybody in the world, I choose you. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. 
And I remember on that day, it was almost like these scales came off of my eyes and I recognized for the first time that God was a God of grace longing to give it to me. And since that day, whenever I hear the phrase from people, when people will say, people never change. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean people never change? I am a a witness of a human life that changed. It was my life that changed. And today, when I walk with God, I don't imagine him being way up far away, but I imagine him being right beside me as I walk through my day and his presence is with me. And if I'm going into a meeting or I have to talk to someone who might have a difficult conversation, I'll often say, God, you know, I'm worrying about this right now. Can you give me some guidance? Can you give me some help? And he does. I started living that way two decades ago. And since then, I've been like, this is such an amazing gift. I want to tell everybody about it. Like, why wouldn't everybody want this? And now, when I hear people say, people never change... I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm exhibit A of a changed life. And for the past 10 years, what I've been able to see over and over again in this place called the jar is hundreds and hundreds of people's lives being changed. I've watched some people who were really nasty people. I mean, nasty people. People that were bitter and angry and just vile in their thoughts become some of the most outrageously loving people in the world. I've seen greedy people who it's all about money. Money, 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 money. All about money and materialism. Become incredibly generous in how they would give to others. I've seen self-centered people. It's all about me. Become other-centered and to serve sacrificially. I've watched judgmental people and arrogant people turn away to become grace-giving, tolerant people. And sometimes I sit back when I look at changed lives and I'm thinking, wow, God, like you really did turn this person upside down. And the thing that I'm most addicted to, folks, is seeing people's lives change because there's nothing There's nothing that is better than that. When you see a mom change, when you see a dad change, when you see your spouse change, when you see transformation come to a neighbor or a co-worker and transformation comes, there is nothing better in this world than seeing transformed lives. And I have a feeling that tonight, where you're sitting, that there will be people who God longs to transform some lives. So, for the rest of our time, I want you to do your best listening. We're halfway there. So if you've been counting the lights so far, which some of you probably have, just kind of focus back in for the second half. Let me ask you this question. How quickly could your life change? How quickly could your life change? Some of you, you come to this Christmas and you have a relational rift with somebody that you know. 
Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a brother, a sister, a co-worker, but you have this rift with them. And it's very, very deep. And honestly, you're thinking to yourself, I'm done with this. I'm not even going to try to make it work. I don't want to mend this relationship. I wonder how quickly your world could change if you chose to go to that other person and you contact them tonight or tomorrow and you just let them know, you know what, I want to make things right and I want to share with you two words that are really hard to say. But what are those two words? Anyone know? I'm sorry. That's right. I'm sorry. Sorry for my part in the mess. Sorry for what I said. Sorry for what I did. Sorry that I've been such a jerk lately. Just sorry for whatever that is. And you don't have to be sorry to me. I'm just telling you I'm sorry for my part. Anybody need to say some words like that tonight? If you did, if you said those words, how quickly do you think your world could change? Some of you are approaching Christmas and you have a lot of guilt and shame. And when we were singing some of the Christmas carols, you're just kind of like, I can't even get through these. Some of you, your drinking has gotten the best of you. And everybody else knows it, and you know it, and you're not doing anything about it. It could be that your drinking is just out of control. It could be that your spending is out of control. It could be that your eating is out of control. It could be that the pace of your life is on accelerator and it's out of control. You're like on this self-destructive path and you kind of know it in your heart. You've heard other people say things, but you keep going down that path. And maybe the two words that you need to say to God tonight, just so that you would get some strength, is the number one prayer that is in the world. And it's this, help me. Help me. God, would you help me with some strength? What I can't do on my own, God, I need your help. Help me, God. And whenever God hears his people say, help me, he's not like from heaven going, again? Like seriously, again. He doesn't do that. His heart melts Every single time we come and ask for help, and like a good, loving father, he says, of course I want to help you. Help me, God. How quickly could some of your lives change if you just cried out and said, help me? For some of you, you've received some really bad medical news. Don't be embarrassed whatsoever. To cry out these two words to God. Heal me. God, I need you to heal my body. If you want to do it supernaturally with a powerful hand, I'm open to that. If you want to do it medically through other doctors, I'm cool with that. Just heal me, God. There's a guy who came up to me after the first celebration we had tonight. And with tears in his eyes, he walked up to me and he said, my son died yesterday. He said, I wasn't sure that I was going to come tonight or not, but I decided that I would. 
And he said, I'm just feeling lonely right now. And I prayed with him and kind of encouraged him. And let me tell you that if you've lost a loved one this year or in this moment, there is pain and loneliness that only you can feel. And there is no human being whatsoever who is going to take the pain away from that hole in your heart. But there is a God who loves to do that. And maybe today, the word that you need to call out to God is just this prayer. Comfort me. God, would you comfort me? Some of you, maybe recently, you've done something, you've said something. You just look in the mirror and you're like, man, I can't believe I did that. You're deeply disappointed in yourself. And maybe the word that you would have to God tonight is this. Forgive me. God, forgive me. And God's desire for you tonight is not for you to take that shame and guilt into Christmas. He wants to take it away. He's not a a God who looks down and wants you to feel shame and guilt. He wants you to feel the freedom that comes with forgiveness. When Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he did it so that you and I would not have to carry the weight of that sin anymore. And when we come to him, we say, God, would you forgive me? He immediately allows it to vanish. There might be some of you who are here tonight and you're like shaking in fear. You've got a decision to make. It's not an easy decision. It's a difficult decision. And you don't know if you need to go right or if you need to go left, but you know that a decision has to be made. We can just raise our hands in moments like that and say, God, would you guide me? God, would you give me some guidance? Would you guide me? You know my future. I I know that you love me, God, but would you just give me some guidance like right now? Some of you today, uh, you walk through life and, and things are going really well. And the greatest thrill of your life right now is that you just want God to use you. You're like, whatever it takes, God, would you just use me? Use me at work. Use me in a conversation. Use me with this difficult situation that's going on in my family. Just God, use me. And God delights to be able to use people. Finally, there are some of you here tonight that there is something that's missing in your life. You don't know what it is. But it's like putting together a puzzle. And you get to the end And often, what happens? There's a piece that's missing. And you've been trying your whole life to put your life together like a piece, like a a puzzle. But there's a piece that's missing. And the missing piece really could be tonight, it could be God. I need to be reconciled to God. I've never asked God to be a part of my life. And I'm not talking about some religion Religion will screw you up every single time. It's not about doing religious activity. It's even not about religion. It is about a relationship with Jesus who knows you best and who loves you most. And some of you might have been driving here today thinking to yourself, I don't know what's missing, but something is. I don't seem to to have much joy in my life. And some of you might even be thinking right now, How are you reading my mind? Like, I got in the car and I got here, but I wasn't really all that happy. 
Well, for those of you who need something because something's missing in your life, your word tonight might be redeem me. Just two words. What does redeem mean? You ever redeem a coupon before? We do that during Christmas all the time, don't we? Try to get it for cheaper than what the actual cost is. And Jesus says, I'll take the cost of all of your sin. I'll take the penalty and I'll redeem you. I'll make you new. I'll restore you once again. And maybe tonight you're just saying, God, I'm done with religion. I'm I'm done, God, trying to do it my way because it just isn't working anymore. If it's free, God, if this redeeming thing is really free, God, I'm open to it and I need it. I want it today. And there's just one last thing that I want to share with you. And that is don't ever buy into the lie that says that the world can't change or that you as a person can't change. It's a lie. It's not a truth. Because we've seen hundreds of lives change in this place. And tonight maybe your life could be one of those as well. Now, I'm going to stop talking right now. Some of you are like, that's what I've been waiting for. Like, that is the one thing that I've been waiting for more than anything else, for you to stop talking. And uh, I'm going to stop talking. What we're going to do, we're going to pull up all of these uh, different two-word kind of responses. And I want to give you a couple of moments with God. Now, for some of you, two minutes, you're like, oh, man, that feels like an eternity. It's Christmas. You can give God two minutes, okay? And what I'd like you to do is look at these words. And maybe through God's Spirit, He would just call out to you one of these words that you could pray back to Him. And whatever that word is, maybe a couple of phrases that you could pray to Him. And if it's that last one, redeem me, it's yours for the taking. Jesus came downstairs over 2,000 years ago from heaven to redeem you, to give you new life. So take a couple minutes and then I'll close this in prayer. But if a couple of these words, don't look at the person beside you, don't wonder what they're thinking, don't nudge in them and go, hey, what's your word? This is just between you and God. And you can be quiet. And if God's new to you on the whole radar, then uh, just take a moment just to meditate. But spend some time right now, just you and God, for a couple of minutes.
loving God, thank you so much for sending your one and only son to planet earth so that we could have a relationship with you. And God, I pray right now that people who really need forgiveness for something maybe they've done in their past or in the last week or month, God, would you forgive them right now? And people who need help, God, they're crying out to you for help. God, help them. And God, people who are mourning, God, comfort them. And people tonight who are in need of healing, God, would you bring your healing to their life? And folks who need some guidance, God, they don't know what direction to go. God, would you guide them tonight? And people who want to be used by you in a new way, in a fresh way, God, would you use them? And maybe there are some people here tonight, God, who do need to go to someone else and just say, I'm sorry. Would you give them the courage to be able to do that? And tonight, God, people who may want to begin a relationship with you tonight, they've never really accepted you into their life. They've never said, I want a relationship with you, God that God tonight, that you would redeem them. And if you're one of those folks that is like, you know, I wasn't sure what was missing, but as you were talking, it, it made sense. That's a piece of the puzzle I've never put in my life. And my picture's not complete. If that's you, I wanna lead you through a prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, but just in your heart. And I'll share some words, but they're not my words. They're your words that you're praying to God. And you can just silently pray them. God, thank you for sending Jesus from heaven to come to earth. You came downstairs. And I am so grateful for that. Redeem my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again. So I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit. So I could know you. Serve you. And follow you. The rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand for anyone who said that prayer for the first time. And if you would, if you could stand, we're going to close with Silent Night. So if everybody could stand up, we're going to close with this song. And uh, it's a tradition here at the jar that we've done for the last 10 years that as we're singing this song that you would actually have some kind of act of affection
towards the people that you came with or the people that you know. So for some families, when they show affection to uh, someone in their family, they give them a handshake. For other people, uh, they might give a hug to someone. For other folks, if you're like my parents, it's a little bit embarrassing. I'm 44 and it's still embarrassing. But they kiss me all over my face. I'm like, I'm 44. They're like, get over it, you know. This is the way it is. And then there's some families that basically their sign of affection is you're not as bad of a jerk as you were last year, you know. So I don't know where you fall in. But a lot of times what happens is we go through the holidays and we never have an opportunity to show an act of affection or love to the people who are closest to us. So we're going to sing three verses of Silent Night and you can do whatever you need to do to do that because if you only had one, it would take you way too long to warm up to actually do it. So we'll do three and just show one act of affection. Now here's the only rule that we have. We are one rule church, and this is it on Christmas Eve. If you don't know the person, don't touch the person. We don't need anything weird happening, okay? So if you don't know them, you just stay away, okay? And if you came and you don't have family, you don't have someone you're connected with, uh, come up, I'll give you a hug or a handshake or, you know, you're not as bad of a jerk as you were last year, whatever, you know, I can do. So take some moments right now, though. And as we sing Silent Night, to uh, show some affection to the family, the people that you know. And Derek will lead us in this song. 